0: but I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hello, and welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I'm so glad you're here. In today's episode, I'm answering a listener question who writes in wondering, why is my child doing amazing at school and falling apart at home? And seriously, if I had a dollar for every time I had been asked this question as a psychologist, child therapist, I would be a very rich lady because this is something parents really worry about. And so to our listener who wrote in, you are so not alone. And I figured this would be a really great question to answer on the podcast because I bet there are other listeners wondering the same thing. So we are going to talk about why this happens and whether it's something you need to be worried about as a parent. So understanding what's happening for our kids when they go to school and they do great and they hold it together and then come home and completely lose it requires a bit of a mindset shift around behavior. I think as parents, it can feel so frustrating to know that our child is giving their best behavior to somebody else, to their teachers, to their coaches. It can feel really disrespectful and like we are getting the short end of the stick as parents. But we have to understand something really important about behavior in order to understand why this happens. And that is that behavior is just a symptom of what's going on. The behavior is not the issue in and of itself, which I know can feel like a really hard sell when your child is hitting, throwing themselves on the floor, refusing to listen, saying disrespectful things. But that doesn't make it any less true. Behavior is communication. Our child's behavior communicates what's going on for them in that moment. What do they need? What skills are they missing to handle what life is throwing at them in that moment? What impulses or emotions are they struggling to regulate in that moment? And seeing behavior through this lens is a very big shift from what we're used to. We're used to seeing behavior as the problem. And for years in the social science research, we looked at behavior. We thought that behavior was what we should care about. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about behavior. What I am saying is that we have to look deeper. We have to get curious and think about, okay, why is this behavior happening instead of how can I change the behavior? And when you can truly make that mindset shift as a parent, everything gets lighter, It is a pretty big mindset shift to go from, okay, how do I change this behavior to, okay, what's going on for my kid that's causing them to behave like this? And I truly believe that shifting our mindset is the single most powerful thing we can do as parents to show up in a way that feels better for us and for our kids, to feel more effective as a parent. And toward that end, if you have not yet downloaded my free guide six mindset shifts to ditch the overwhelm and parent in a way that feels good. You need to go do that right now. This guide has mindset shifts just like the one I just shared that will totally change your life as a parent. This guide is going to help you see yourself and your child through a more accurate and a more generous lens in the really hard moments of parenting which is going to help you feel more effective, more hopeful, and more joyful as a parent. And who doesn't want that? So go download your copy today, raisedresilient.com forward slash mindset. Okay. So our listener writes in with this question. My eight-year-old daughter has amazing behavior at school. She is absolutely perfect. She helps the teachers. She gets special awards for her perfect behavior, etc. But at home, She has an awful attitude and pushes any boundary we set. It's exhausting. Do you have any suggestions? Okay, so I want to start by normalizing this. I know this feels like a problem, but actually, when I am working with families, this is exactly what I want to see, and I worry so much more when kids are doing great at home and falling apart at school. I'll explain in just a minute why that can happen, why kids might fall apart at school and be really well-behaved at home. But let's talk first about what's going on for the kids who do great at school and then come home and fall apart. It's really important to understand what school is like for a child. School requires so much from our kids, and not all of it is developmentally appropriate there's actually a lot of research on how kids learn best. And a lot of the things that have been done in the world of education for so long don't match up with our kids' developmental needs. So for example, sitting at a desk and listening for long periods of time is not developmentally appropriate for most elementary school kids. And yet this is what they're asked to do from kindergarten. When you add All of the new tasks and concepts that they are being asked to learn and rules that they're being asked to follow, impulses that they have to regulate or else they're going to get into trouble with people they don't feel safe with like they do with you, their parents or caregivers. And I'm going to say more about that last piece in just a second. But when you take all of that together, School is intensely draining for a child. So you take this kid who's doing great in school, who's doing everything her teacher asks, who is just a model student, and then she comes home and she has nothing left to give. The experience of going to school and being this high-functioning student is so incredibly draining on all of this child's resources that she comes home and she just can't do it anymore she can't contain one more impulse she can't regulate one more emotion she can't follow one more instruction she is done a lot of us feel like this as adults when we come home from work i know there are times after i've spent a day seeing therapy clients that i think oh my gosh i can't i can't parent right now like i need to go stare at a wall somewhere so this is what our kids are dealing with. And there's actually a name for this concept. It's called the after-school restraint collapse, meaning that they have all of this restraint while they're at school and they come home and that restraint collapses because they just can't anymore. I talk a lot about this in the episode I did a while back on the after school meltdown. So that episode has lots of strategies for supporting your child with the transition from school to home. And that's definitely a great one to go back and listen to. And I will share some strategies today, but that episode is really comprehensive when it comes to smoothing the transition from school to home. So that's what's happening for these kids who do amazing in school and then come home and they're unkind or disrespectful or they won't follow your directions or they seem to just melt down the second they get home. This is what's happening. And I would argue that the more deeply your child feels their feelings, the more sensitive of a soul they are, the more pronounced this after-school restraint collapse is going to be. I actually think it happens for every kid in some way or another, but again, it is more pronounced in our kids who are deeply feeling. These kids are so aware of everything that's going on around them. They feel everything deeply and they are so empathic toward others that they feel those feelings too. And that can be truly exhausting for a child. I know for myself, I see a big difference in how my boys handle the after school restraint collapse just based on their different personalities. My oldest is in third grade and he is for sure a deeply feeling, highly sensitive kid, which is for sure one of his biggest strengths, but it's also really exhausting for him to go to school and do as well as he does. He is a model student. And then to come home and carry that on, he just can't do it anymore. It's funny because I remember at the beginning of third grade, and I will tell you, third grade, I feel like at least in the public school system here in the US, the academic demands really increase. And so you have a kid who maybe was enjoying school and doing a little bit better with that transition from school to home. And then third grade happens and there's more testing. Instead of learning to read, you're now reading to learn. And so you need to just be able to do these things. And my son is an avid reader but it's still exhausting for him to go to school and do as well as he does there. And he would come home from school in the beginning of third grade. And he was just so depleted, so worried about how the next day was going to go. And then we had his conference with his teacher for the first quarter. And she was just like, he's so great. He's just a model student. He has so many friends. I couldn't ask him to do anything different. I have really no constructive feedback. And I was like, whew, that's a really big difference from, you know, the kid that I'm seeing at home. And then there's my kindergartner. And that's not to say that he doesn't experience the after-school restraint collapse, but it is much less pronounced for him. He is a very different kid from his older brother. As my eight-year-old put it once, my five-year-old could talk to a wall and my eight-year-old is a little slower to warm up and kind of needs to take everything in first. My kindergartner is fine, to play by himself on the playground if his best friend is homesick. He doesn't even think twice about it. He's so confident and comfortable in his own skin. And that's not to say that my eight-year-old isn't, but he is just constantly taking in information from everyone around him in a way that my kindergartner just doesn't. And he will admit that he feels worried sometimes about school and that he wants to please his teachers, but that shift from holding it together at school to coming home is just so different. And I think some of it too is that kindergarten and the demands in kindergarten are very different than they are in third grade. And the kindergarten curriculum, at least where we live, has been modified recently to be more developmentally appropriate than it was even when my older son was in kindergarten three years ago, which is awesome. But I can see the difference in my two kids in terms of what they're being asked to do in kindergarten. My five-year-old now is much more able to handle those demands than his older brother who was being asked to do more at the same age and developmental stage. Now, if you add to this illness or a stressful event in your child's life, like tension at home or a new sibling or moving or even just starting a new extracurricular activity, your child is going to have way less bandwidth to handle everything they're handling at school. And so that after-school restraint collapse is going to be so much more pronounced when your child is under stress outside of school. So now that we understand a little more about what is happening in these moments for our kids and why our kids do fall apart at home, why they look so different at home, now I want to explain to you why that's actually a good thing. But before I do that, I just want to validate for you, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I hear you. I know you're going to give me good reasons why this is a good thing, but it's really, really hard and I really don't like it. I hear you. I still get so frustrated sometimes when my eight-year-old talks to me with this just tone on the way home from school or when I ask him to do something, he just refuses. And I want to say, is this how you would respond if your teacher asked you to do these things? But I stop myself because I know the answer. I know the answer, and I know it's not personal. And I know it doesn't mean that I'm failing as a mom. And I know it doesn't mean that he's a bad kid. I also know it doesn't mean that I need to be stricter with him or that I need to punish him more. I know that he is doing the best he can in that moment. And I also know that it's actually a huge compliment to me and my husband that he saves all of his challenging behaviors for us. And here's why emotion regulation or the ability to do the right things with your feelings develops in the context of a safe and supportive attachment relationship. So if you're listening to this and you're a parent or a caregiver, that's your child's relationship with you. Children are born completely unable to regulate their emotions and they learn to regulate their emotions or again to do the right things with their feelings through us providing something called co-regulation, where we come in and we stay calm and we allow them to feel their feelings without being unsafe. That might sound like, oh, I see you're really mad. It's totally okay to be mad. I'm not going to let you hit, but it's okay to be mad. Hundreds of little interactions like this teach our kids over time what is okay to do with our big feelings and what is not. And they're gonna be really successful with that when their tank is full, and they're gonna be really not successful with that when their tank is empty, like when they come home from school. But our kids feel safe to fall apart around us, to feel their feelings around us. Even the most painful, most tricky, most difficult feelings, they feel safe to feel those feelings around us because we have shown ourselves to be safe caregivers for them. And as wonderful as your child's teacher is, school is not that same environment where kids learn to regulate their emotions. Kids know when they go to school that they've got to hold it together, that the teacher isn't there to teach them emotion regulation. And I think it's really important to note that this isn't necessarily a conscious knowing. It's just that kids' bodies know when it's safe to experience an emotion and when it's not. For example, a couple weeks ago, when my eight-year-old was at school, he started feeling sick and he knew that he needed to go home and he was feeling anxious to share that with his teacher. And so he sat at his desk and he said, I wanted to cry, but I'm not going to cry at school. And I said, well, it's okay to cry, you know? And he goes, oh, I know it's totally okay to cry, but not at school. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Why does it not feel safe to cry at school? And he couldn't verbalize why, but it's just that his body knew the difference that at home he was with his safe caregivers who could hold space for that sad, that disappointment, that anxiety. And at school, he holds those feelings in and saves them for when it feels safer to release them. So when your perfect student comes home from school and is just having a hard time speaking in a tone that you don't like, whining, complaining, refusing to do anything you ask them to do falling apart at seemingly the smallest things. The thing to understand is that that is so, so normal and it is preferable to kids going to school and falling apart there. I said earlier in this episode that I worry as a psychologist, as a child therapist, I worry so much more when a child is doing great at school and falling apart at home. And that probably makes a little more sense now that you understand what's happening when a child is saving up these emotions to release them around you, their safe attachment figure. It's just that you are their safe person. So when a child is doing the opposite and really holding it together at home and falling apart at school, there's usually something else going on that we need to address. And so, for example, I've actually seen this a lot when parents are using harsh discipline on the regular at home. So spanking especially. When a child is being spanked at home, they will sometimes save up their big feelings and release them at school where at least they won't be spanked. I have seen that so many times. So if home doesn't feel safe emotionally or physically, you might see a child falling apart more at school or this can happen when a child has a learning difference that hasn't yet been identified. And so in this case, it's less about saving feelings for their safe attachment figure. That's not necessarily what it's about. It's just that school is so incredibly difficult that they can't hold it together at school. We have to remember the quote from Dr. Ross Green, kids do well when they can. And so for a child who can handle the demands that school places on them, that child is gonna hold it together at school because they can. They might be white knuckling until they can get home and let their emotions out, but they can do it and so they do. So the other common reason that I see kids falling apart at school and not so much at home is because school is such a stressful, developmentally inappropriate or a developmental mismatch for them that they just can't. They just cannot hold it together in a school environment. Again, kids do well when they can. So, again, as a child therapist, I worry so much more when kids are doing okay at home and falling apart at school. I worry either that the home doesn't feel safe to the child or that there is a learning difference or another reason that the child just cannot do well in school that needs to be addressed. And of course, there are plenty of kids who struggle both at home and at school because they might have sensory needs that aren't getting met, they might have learning differences, and so we've got to think about how to meet those needs. But if your child is going to school and holding it together all day and then falling apart at home, this is a very normal process. And while it is very frustrating for parents, it's what we want to see happen. It's sort of a best case scenario because we want our kids to be releasing their emotions in the presence of their safe attachment figures. And as I said that, I realized there's probably people listening who might be wondering, okay, but at some point, my kid is going to start to be able to regulate these emotions on their own, right? Like They shouldn't always need a safe attachment figure to regulate these emotions. And here's the thing about that it's actually not the goal for our child to sort of reach this level in life where they eventually just deal with all their feelings on their own. I know it can seem like that is the goal, especially in our very individualistic, independence-focused society. But our real goal for our kids is to be able to do both. We want our kids to be able to regulate their emotions on their own when they need to. Like when they're at work and they're stressed about something, we need them to be able to regulate those emotions so that they don't have a meltdown in the middle of the office. But we also want our kids to be able to safely seek out support around their emotions when they need it from a partner, from a friend, from someone who feels safe to them. It's not healthy for any of us to deal with everything on our own all the time. So that's not the end game for our kids either. And so when your child is coming home and sharing these emotions with you, even if that is through a disrespectful tone, remember that disrespectful tone is just behavior and behavior is communication. That disrespectful tone in and of itself isn't the problem. We have to look underneath that tone. We have to look deeper and figure out what's going on with our child that's causing their feelings to come out of them through that tone. But when your child is sharing their feelings with you, even through a tone, it's a really good thing. And it's something we want. So it's a good thing when your child comes home and is falling apart with you. But those moments can also be really challenging for parents. And so here's what I would say. First of all, definitely go back and listen to my episode on the after-school meltdown. Try to keep yourself in the right mindset, which is that behavior is communication. And then get curious and express to your child that you're here for them. So in the case of a disrespectful tone, that might sound like this. I can hear that you're really upset. I know you wouldn't be talking to me like this unless you were feeling something pretty difficult, and I'm here to help. Whenever you're ready to talk about it, I am here and I'm ready to listen. We'll figure this out together, okay? And you can also validate for your child that you know going to school and working so hard all day is a lot. You can just say, I can hear in your voice that school took a lot out of you today. I get it. Let me know what you need. Maybe you need a rest or a little break or some time outside or some time to play. Let's figure out what you need because I know how hard it can be to go work really hard all day and then come home and have a lot of feelings come up that you didn't have time or space or energy to give attention to today. I've had these conversations with my eight-year-old so many times now, and he is getting better and better and better about recognizing in himself when he's just in that depleted, lashing out kind of place. So, we're at the point now where, when I'll say something like what I just modeled, he'll say to me, Oh, I know, mommy, I'm sorry. School was just really hard today, and I just have a lot of feelings right now. So, like most advice in the world of gentle, respectful, conscious parenting, this isn't a quick fix, but the self awareness The relationship skills, the emotion regulation skills that you are developing when you say these things to your child, and eventually they start to say back to you, Yeah, I'm sorry, I am having a hard time. Those skills are invaluable. They are so important for our kids to develop as they grow. And so the work you're doing when you meet this disrespectful tone with love and connection and understanding and empathy. While it is taxing for us as parents, it is so incredibly important. And so you might even just say that to yourself, this is hard, but this is important. I think we really have to remind ourselves of that in these moments when it feels like our child is treating us disrespectfully or unkindly or that we're getting the short end of the stick compared to their teacher's. This is, again, where those mindset shifts are so incredibly powerful. We have to remind ourselves that what we are doing, as hard as it is, is important. We have to remind ourselves that that disrespectful, unkind tone is just the way that the feelings are coming out of our child in that moment. It's not personal, and it's not purposeful. And the more we respond with empathy and love and connection— The more we are going to teach our child to look inward, to have that self-awareness, to know when they are lashing out at somebody, and to over time start to do things differently. It's all about that co-regulation. Again, we don't learn to do the right things with our feelings unless we have a safe, trusting caregiver to help us with that And that's why for us as adults, if we didn't get consistent co-regulation as children, we are now either in a place where we're not feeling our feelings, we're just actively avoiding them, which is not good. Or when we do feel our feelings, we get ragey or we lash out or we don't know how to do the right things with them because we never had co-regulation. So remind yourself, that in these hard moments with your child, you are giving them a gift that will truly last them a lifetime. I know that sounds cheesy, but truly that is what you're doing. So that's going to wrap up our episode for today. I hope that's helpful. And to our listener who wrote in, thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing this question. I think it is one that a lot of us are wondering about. And to everyone else listening, if you have a question that you would like for me to answer on the podcast, you can go to raisedresilient.com forward slash questions, or you can email me Dr. hillary at raisedresilient.com. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.